Welcome to the Church for Dummies podcast, where we explain church history and ecclesiology to dumb people like us. Now here are your hosts, Josh Whitney and Isaac Thibodeau. Have you been recording this whole time? No. Oh. I'm recording That's, now, though. You're recording now? Yeah. Peanut butter jelly. <laughs> that was the first thing. <laughs> well, how you doing, bro? Good, man. <laughs> Anchoring for a peanut butter. <laughs> Apparently. Did you not eat today? <laughs> no, I did. <laughs> no, I had um, uh, over at my sister's, and we had a great time fellowshipping over there. We you did. actually got to come over. That was I great. Know. It was fun. Um, hang out with them. Hang out with... Uh, some friends that my sister knew from from years ago. Um, I, I knew him a little bit, but I was like 14, 16 at the time. So it was good to see them again. They're nice. Looking for a good church. Hopefully hopefully ours is a good church. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it was a really good time, and I'm actually really full. Yeah. So the fact that peanut butter jelly is the first thing that came to my head is <laughs> shows to a deeper issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, let's get to today's topic. Yeah. First of all, welcome to our first ever bonus episode, Church for Dummies. Drum roll. Drum roll. <laughs> it's usually like more of a clap. You do the drum roll before oh, sorry, the sorry, announcement. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Josh, why don't you tell us what happened? What What's this bonus episode about? What What are we... So, this bonus episode, we're going to be going over how, uh, on Tuesday, the executive committee on behalf of the... Uh, oh man, I'm instantly forgetting. Credentials Committee, I think is what it's called. Um, disfellowshipped four churches from the Southern Baptist Convention, the SBC, as we'll probably say from here on out. Um, disfellowshipped four churches. Um, two of them were disfellowshipped for having um, registered sex offenders as hired pastors. So two men who had been convicted of this in the past um, as lead pastors in their church today. Uh, and then two other churches were disfellowshipped, um, both for affirming and, and adding to their membership um, people of the LGBTQ plus uh, community. Um, so those that's the biggest disfellowship that I think we've seen um, in the SBC. And it's it's kind of a it's kind of a big deal, and so we're going to be going over s- things that happened, kind of breaking them down a little bit, in a little bit shorter episode. Uh, I, I, you know, we're not going to drone on, but we want to kind of show. I mean, the whole point of why we do this podcast is the Christians in the church, yeah. um, and so we're going to kind of dive into that and break this down a little bit. Right, right. And the reason we want to address this is, you know, there's many reasons, but I mean, number one, our church is affiliated with the SBC. Yep. Um, and it's planted by the North American Mission Board and everything. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you know, I think it's relevant because it is the largest denomination mm-hmm. that there is um, in the in the United States, at least. Uh, and this is the particular issues at hand are mm-hmm. something I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of. Yeah. As uh, things progress the way they have, um, so. Uh, there's a couple ways you guys can read the article yourself. Uh, you can go on to baptistpress.com. You can also go to New York Times uh, and read the article there. There's a few other places. Of course, depending on the site you go, you're probably going to get some bias as to what happened. But right. you know, just read. The best thing to do is read multiple accounts. Try to go to the source, whatever. 
Um, but yeah, so um, so basically, what we want to address here is how we should be looking at this as Orthodox Christians. I think first, when we see the fact that the church, the SBC, I should say, the association disfellowshipped or removed these four churches from the association, I think most Orthodox Bible-believing Christians think that's a good thing. Right. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Uh, I don't think... Well, we do have pe- churches, clearly, in the SBC that do agree this way. But I would say, large in part, the majority of people see these disfellowships and go, yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what we want to do is um, more than just give our two cents. Plenty of people are able to give our two cents, but we care deeply about the church. Whether you're Southern Baptist, whether you're other some other local congregation here in America, um, if you confess Christ as King, this will affect all of us. Yes. Um, and also, hopefully, because of how big of a deal this is, this is being spread on a lot of different platforms and mainstream media. Um, maybe even somehow someone who doesn't know the Lord is going to be listening to this. And I think it would be good for us to give that kind of perspective. Like this is how Christians, true biblical Christians, which I believe we are, (laughs) are addressing these types of issues and how we want to do it in love. And we're not just hate-filled saying, well, this is the way. (laughs) Right. Um, right. We love all we love people, not certain people. We love people, yes. and and we care deeply for people. Amen. And there is a there is a way in which honors the Lord. There is a way which dishonors the Lord. And right. so we want to go into that heavily. Yes, we do. Okay, so let, let's get started. So um, we'll do this in two parts. We'll address the LGBT issue, and then we'll address the sexual abuse issue. Okay? Yes. So for the LGBT issue, um, there are these the churches. Well, you actually had a statement from one of them, right? Did you have it pulled up? The thing uh, about yeah. So this is Michael Payne. He is the chair. I'm reading this from the CourierJournal.com, um, and it is a quote from Michael Payne. He's the chair of St. Matthew's Baptist Church Administrative Council, um, and he gave this quote. Um, I'm I'm not sure if this is directly to uh, Courier Journal, but this is where just you know journalism. Just showing you where I'm getting it from. Um, he, he said, the convention's decision was apparently based on our congregation's November 2019 reaffirmation of SMBC's longstanding policy that a belief in Jesus as personal savior is the sole criterion for membership in our church, Payne said in a statement. Nothing in the Southern Baptist Convention's decision changes St. Matthew's Baptist Church's deep commitment to carrying out what God calls us to do in our worship and spiritual growth, as well as in ministries to those in need and fellowship within our church family. Mm. Mm. And there are some there are some key things in there, uh, in that statement, that I think shed light into what we're doing. Um, and in one of those is no mentioning at all about uh, the fact that they have affirmed homosexual um, homosexuals as members in their church, uh, kind of painting the SBC's decision based off of, um, like he said, Jesus as a personal savior as the sole criterion. That sounds really good. I, I, I believe, I think that's a main motivator. And so um, I believe that, you know, he's, he's using this in, intentionally as one of the reasons as he thinking the SBC made their decision where it goes a little bit 
much deeper. Yeah, there's a lot of things we get to look at with that because it comes down to how you define Jesus. Sure. How you define faith in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and a whole lot of other things, but mainly, like, like, let's think about the whole faith in Jesus thing because, yes, faith in Jesus Christ uh, is the the main thing we're worried about. If someone right. does not confess Jesus as Lord, obviously they shouldn't be part of the church. Right. But what does it mean to believe in Jesus? Does it mean to believe some facts about him? Mm-hmm. Is that what makes you a Christian? No. Believing facts about Jesus does not make you a Christian. Faith in the Bible is it's the allegiance of the heart towards God, towards Jesus. And you could say it multiple ways. Humility in heart, trust. There's all these different words we could use for it. But basically, if you believe in Jesus, if you trust in him, if he's your Lord, you are going to obey him. That's a natural outflowing. It's the fruit of faith. Right. Part of the Great Commission, go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them, making disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Yeah, that's what, yeah, I was going to touch on that. Yeah. Touch on that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because he doesn't say, go into all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and making sure they really believe in who I am. Right, right. Which, that is the starting point, for sure. Find out who God is. But he has commanded certain things. Like, he has a way for us to live. We're not made right with him by our, how well we obey, but we are to obey. Mm-hmm. because of what he's done for us. And the scriptures like make so clear in the Old Covenant and the New that God has a very specific um, purpose for sex mm-hmm. and a design for it, and it is to be enjoyed between one man and one woman who are married in a covenant relationship. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Anything outside of that is is an abomination to God. Right, not just not just a little sin. It is abomination to God. It flies in the face of the created order, um, and and God hates it. God hates it severely. Hates it, and it's He destroyed cities for their sexual perversion. Yeah. Um, so this isn't a light issue, and God makes so clear that homosexual behavior um, is is very wrong. But does that mean? You take you take this next part. <laughs> Does that mean we hate homosexuals? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, What's the Christian view? The Christian view is first and foremost, and this is where it gets tricky in the sense people will take things the wrong way, but humans specifically, um, not all all promises and claims can be made in scripture for everybody on the whole earth, regardless of who you are. But this one stands true for every single person that ever has lived and ever will live, that we are made in the image of God. Mm. And that is to be respected and honored in and of itself. Amen. Um, Dogs are not made in the image of God. Pets are not made. As much as I love my two pups, um, fish and animals, we should be taking care of them. God gave us these, gave us creation to be dominant over, not in a cruel way, but to take care of. And but but we are dominant over them. So the naturalist, the Darwinist view of like we are just mammals among mammals is starchly opposed uh, to what the Christian worldview is. People are made 
in the image of God. And every single one of them deserve love and respect just for that sole fact of who they are. Um, so with that said, I will accept a homosexual, whether it's the L, the G, the B, the T, the Q, the whatever, <laughs> I will accept them into my church and love them. But this is the distinction. They they are not to be made members in my church. Um, members in the church are are reserved for those who confess Christ as Lord and what Isaac just said a little bit earlier, hold to what he has commanded. Those are the members of the church. Can someone walk in and have fellowship in the sense of sitting in our pew, sitting under the word of God, listening to the songs and even singing songs and interacting with people in my church? Absolutely. I will love them, and I'm so glad they are here. We want them to come. We want them to come. (laughs) We don't want them to go away. I believe that the church should be evangelizing, and it's not the sole responsibility of the pastors, but I want them to come to my church. Right. Right. Uh, I'm not going to sit and wait for them to come to my church, but I want them to come to my church. Right. Preach the gospel of salvation for all who believe in Christ. Absolutely. No matter what your sin background is. Believe Jesus can save and has saved every kind of sinner that there is. hundred percent. Any Christian who would hold a sign that says, um, God hates you, um, or, or like, um, uh, turn, I mean, turn a, you can get into nuances, but the point I'm trying to make is a Christian should not have an offensive, um, offensive in the sense of aggressive. That's probably, that's probably a better word I want to use is aggressive stance towards the sinner. Yes. Um, Right. Paul writes that the cross is a stumbling block and offensive already. Just by telling someone you need to repent of sin, regardless of the sin, homosexuality, drunkenness, sexual immorality of any kind, um, uh, the fact that you don't know Christ, <laughs> um, repenting of that is already offensive enough. You don't have to say you because of who you are. God hates you especially. That You don't see that in Scripture. Right. The call is you don't know Christ. Repent and turn to Christ. Right. Amen. Um, so that is, I believe, the right scriptural Christ-like answer to the LGBTQ homosexual plus. Uh, I'm sorry if that's a. But the, I mean, the, all of those, all of those things, regardless of where you fall, I, I believe that is the scriptural view uh, that we should hold. Right. Right. Exactly. So what basically, and to wrap up this part, the SBC we believe, made the right decision in removing these churches because mm. it is not consistent with the Christian faith. Yeah. And these churches knew that. This is right. the thing. These churches knew that. And there have been other churches in the SBC that have changed their stance on homosexuality, and they are now affirming of it and thinking it's okay and it's pleasing to God or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they've left the SBC knowing that yep. the SBC didn't agree with it. And that's actually—I actually respect that. Yeah. I respect the fact that they— understood they were coming to different beliefs and they were going to remove themselves from that association rather than lying and just waiting to be found out. I think that's a very immature way of handling things. Um, So I think the SBC made the right decision and and they're not trying to be hateful. They're just being consistent with their convictions. So I guess would this be appropriate then to talk about like what is the logical outcome of not disfellowshipping them from our church? We spend a little bit of time on that as well. That's a good idea. Why don't we talk about that? Or we'll move on to the next part. Yeah. So the what is the outcome? So why should we disfellowship them as opposed to keeping them in our church? One, like you just said, um, 
it's it's honest that they don't align with what um, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Baptist Statement of Faith, like all those things, they definitely don't align with that. Um, so, uh, wh- but why should we disfellowship them instead of keeping them in the church, knowing that they have this church, I'm sorry, I mean convention, why should we keep them in? Um, well, for one, Southern Baptist churches have voting powers in the SBC, um, as well as the local church, because not only are we SBC, we're also a local autonomous body. That's why we're Baptist. Right. Um, <laughs> so either you're a Baptist church within the convention or you're a local church that is Baptist, by letting them stay in the fellowship of believers or incorporating them into the fellowship of believers, you're letting them have a, a impact. You're letting them have an influence on the local churches as far as the convention is, or the local members, as far as your church is. Um, when decisions come up of which direction should we move as a body, they'll be able to make those decisions and have an impactful voice in that. Yes. Um, right. Where I believe the scripture has not changed and will not change, regardless of a 21st century context. Right. Um, and that is the historic Christian view. Exactly. And so if you let them stay in our church um, and you let them... What Paul starts talking about, the uh, letting, um, oh, you're going to have to help me out, the shear among the wheat, or what's the word, what's this phrase, I'm looking, chaff, the chaff among the wheat. That's Jesus, but yeah. That's Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and also in church discipline in in Matthew 18, it is a loving response to disfellowship them to show them what it's like to be without the fellowship of the loving body, to show them what the world is, to show them what they are missing from not being with the body, and um, hopefully to restore bringing, the repentance. restoring them. Because no one wants to go, you said this, disfellowshipped, bye. Yeah. Right. That's we never want, the we hope. We want repentance. Yeah. We want repentance. We want restoration. Yeah. Yeah. Amen, dude. Right on. Um, does that about wrap up that section? Or is there anything else we wanted to say on that? Nothing more than ranting and rambling. Okay. <laughs> so let's move on to the, the next part. So this is about the sexual abuse. Um, so this should be hopefully less controversial, but nonetheless, it needs to be talked about. Um, so let me let me read this from the New York Times. Um, let me find it here. It'd be great if I was prepared, huh? Here we go. So let me read this. Uh, this is about halfway down in the article of the New York Times about this. It says, Two other churches were removed for employing pastors known to have committed sexual crimes. Antioch Baptist Church in Sevierville, Tennessee, is led by a pastor who pled guilty to two accounts of statutory rape for oral sex with a 16-year-old congregant at a previous church in the 1990s. The pastor at Westside Baptist Church in Sharpsville, Pennsylvania, is on Florida's sex offender registry for a 1993 conviction of aggravated sexual assault of a child. Mm-hmm. And it goes on to say a few other things. So mm. here's here's the issue with this. So this is this is a little bit more tricky in some cases. Right. So in in one sense, we want to say this. Jesus Christ, um, his blood is enough to cover any sin, even rape. Yeah. It is, which is hard for some people to hear, especially if you've been on the receiving end of that horrific sin. But God's grace is greater. Where sin abounded, grace abounds even more. Mm. 
However, what we're talking about here is not whether someone can be a Christian or a member of a church and have had uh, sexual sin in the past and been a registered sex offender in the past. That's not the question. The issue is, can someone be a pastor of a church mm. yeah. and have that on their record? And what we need to think about, and we'll have to flesh this out, Josh, but the one of the qualifications, in fact, two of the qualifications of being a pastor is that you're well thought of by outsiders and that mm. you have a good reputation among the church. Mm. Respectable. You're respectable. So if you're if you are a registered sex offender first of all mm. that is not a good reputation no. and even though there's forgiveness for that sin mm -hmm. you should not be a pastor you shouldn't mm -hmm. you're not qualified because you don't have a good reputation because of that and yes your sin is forgiven but the consequence of your sin in in real time is still a reality it's not washed away right yeah, absolutely. Um, to think, I just, I, I want to reiterate as well what you said that to think, and this is hard because uh, we're talking, we're talking about children. So right. in no way is this an easy issue to be like, well, God forgives sin as if that somehow mitigates the atrocity of what it is. Right. But if you believe that your sin is more forgivable by Jesus than that person's sin, I would say that you have a wrong view of your sin. Yeah. Um, and that is it. That is the seriousness of offending God. We somehow put it into human terms. But so just I wanted to touch on that, too, because I also believe that there is grace. Um, there is grace if, for everyone yep. uh, that confesses Christ. Yep. There is no like, well, I wish I could save you, but that one's pretty bad all of our sin is a slap in the face to who God is. So right. um, with that being said, yes, I'd also agree. I, if you have that in your past, you have to know that those there are people in your community that will not respect you or, or think of you well. Um, I think that there's a lot of pastors in our churches right now, um, honestly, besides this, who shouldn't be pastors, um, people that don't manage their household well, yeah. who have children that are out of control. Right. Um, People who have never confessed sin in their life. Um, they, I mean, how many times do we see that among people falling into sexual sin? How many of them are in our churches right now that have never confessed it? Right. Or are um, uh, are not sober-minded? You know, they're not drunk. They're not, they're not um, uh, sexually promiscuous. Um, but they're not sober-minded. You try and talk to them about something, and they just fly off the handle, and they can't think clearly, and they don't lead well. Mm. So to say, so drawing all of that back to this particular situation, um, it seems as though an act of pride to be a pastor, regardless of what you know your past is and what you currently live with. Yeah, you would prefer to be a pastor than to than to support what the biblical requirements are for a pastor. Yes. Because to say that there would be there's no one else in these churches that could be a pastor of this church, I mean, that's just demonstrably false. Yeah. Um, there are people that could be pastor of that church, but you want to be that pastor. Mm. Um, so it's it's unfortunate to see that there are still pastors out there that want to be a pastor more than they want the church, the bride of Christ, 
to be honored. Yes. Um, yes. Because we as the church, I believe, are the bride of Christ, and he has he has told us how we are to take care of his bride. He gave very clear instruction how we are to honor his bride, take care of his bride, uh, bride, um, prepare and 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 um, not give glory. I'm not trying to worship the church, but the point I'm trying to make is like how we are to take care of her. Yeah. And if you care more about your position as a pastor more than the honoring of Christ's bride, yeah. Um, then yeah, absolutely, you should be removed yes. from from this. I agree. And unfortunately. From everything I found, I, I'm in the middle of writing something. Hopefully, I can get that up. I don't know if it'll be out before this, before this podcast is released. Probably not. Um, but as far as my research has found, they haven't let go of the pastors. Mm. I think they're just disfellowshipped from the church, from mm. the Southern Baptist Convention, mm. um, which is almost more heartbreaking than having to... Because the reason, I should say this as well, the reason they are disfellowshipped from the Southern Baptist Convention is not because this happened in the past. They, this, The process of this is it gets brought before the executive committee or the recommendation credentials committee, I think it's called. And then there's a process. Someone doesn't say, hey, this church did this. And they go, well, we should excommunicate them. There's a process in this. Um, so the fact that they went through this and wouldn't repent and wouldn't turn away, they still want their pastor. That's almost, I think that's more sad. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, people care more about the relationship they have with that person. And it's not like you have to kick them out of the church. Absolutely not. Have, it might be awkward. They belong in a church. Right, they need to. Yeah, they're a believer and they're, yeah, like that person could be like very spiritually strong and whatnot, but they don't meet the qualifications and the Bible is the final say. Not our feelings, not our own intuition. It's the Bible. That's mm-hmm. what the scriptures say. And even though it's a hard word, it's a true word. Yeah. You know? Yep. But uh, yeah, so look for that article at some point for that <laughs> Josh puts out. But uh, I'd say that's a, that's a wrap for this little bonus episode. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad we could do this. It's unfortunate that this exists in our church, but um, this is the whole reason why we're we're doing this is we, we love our church. We yeah. love the church very much. And yes, we do. as the even though we little fail, C Catholic little church. C Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> even though we might fall and not be perfect, we love our church. We want to honor it as Christ's bride and follow what scripture says. So I'm glad that you guys could join us and listen to this. Hopefully it was a benefit to you and it should be encouragement to us to take care of the church well. Mm. Amen. Yeah. All right. See y'all next time. Bye.